Would you open God's precious holy word to Ephesians chapter 6? Today we come to the end of our study in Ephesians. From this passage of scripture, I want to bring you a message that I call the bond of Christian fellowship. Paul is in prison as he writes this and a few other epistles. He writes back to Ephesus and you would have to go back to Acts chapter 20 to understand the bond that Paul had with the Ephesians. Before he left Ephesus at that time in Acts 20, he was on his missionary, third, I think, missionary journey. And before he left, he called the elders of the church. They prayed and Paul told them that he wouldn't be back anymore, that this was it. He was going on from there and he knew that he wouldn't be coming back to Ephesus. And there was great weeping there among the Ephesians because Paul was beloved and they had a bond of, of Christian fellowship. In the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, a body of believers is bonded with one another. It's a supernatural thing. We'll see that as we go through Paul's final farewell comments. What have we seen in Ephesians? First three chapters, we have learned about our position in Christ. How our life in Christ is eternal. It belongs to eternity. It is of grace and God has caused it to happen. Understanding our position in Christ, then in chapters four, five, and six, we learn how to be practical as Christians to practice our faith in this world, showing the world that in Christ we're different from the world and we're unique as those who are of Christ. So now Paul alludes to his bond with the Ephesians in these last few verses. And so we'll look at them together here and my clicker ain't working. Ah, there we go. Verse 21 and verse 22, that now you may also know the things concerning me, what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved and faithful servant in the Lord, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, will make all things known to you that you may know all things concerning us and he may encourage your hearts. What is included, what is, what is automatic in the spiritual bond of Christian fellowship? Well, he begins here. In the bond of Christian fellowship, 
There are times when we need to share with the brothers and sisters in Christ what we are doing and how God is working. And it is all to the glory of God. Now think about Paul. Paul is writing to people who haven't heard from him in a while. They're very concerned about him. They are bound to know that he is in prison. And Paul wants them to see how their prayers are working, giving them something even more specific to pray about so that they can supplicate for him. They can, they can make a petition regarding Paul and his traveling companion, or no, not traveling anymore, but those who are with him at this point in time. And the work that God does through Paul so that they may see the wonderful work of God anywhere in the world, that they may understand that God is working through people anywhere in the world and that God is at work in the world, even in a place like Rome, the capital of the Western civilization in those days, a wicked place, a pagan place. But Paul writes to them and he says, I want you to know what I'm doing and how things are here. I want, you to, I want you to know these things. Tychicus, in Acts 20, we're told that Tychicus was his, one of his traveling companions on the third missionary journey. And we learn in both Ephesians here and also in Colossians that Tychicus is the one who brings this letter to the church, to to, to begin, if you go back to the very first of our study here in Ephesians, we talked about how by the language we understood that this was a letter to be circulated among the churches in that area, starting with Ephesus. But all of those churches were there because of the work of God through the Apostle Paul. So this would be applicable to any of those churches, but most specifically to the Ephesians, because of what we know from Acts chapter 20, Tychicus brings this letter. He's trusted by the apostle Paul and this man, Tychicus, he has a, he has a gift of encouragement. So Paul says to them, listen, when, when he tells you what's going on, you're going to be encouraged. Your hearts are going to be encouraged. Now what's going on? We learned that really from Philippians, another of the prison epistles here. Paul in Philippians 1 says, I am chained all the time to a praetorian guard. It, it may be translated palace guard or something like that in your Bible, but it's the praetorian guard. It is this elite group of Roman soldiers who have proven to be very loyal to Caesar, but also very skilled as warriors. So one of those top of the line guys, I mean, if you think of soldiers today, I don't know, who do you think of? Navy SEALs or Delta Force? I don't know, probably guys, we don't even know who they exist, but the top of the top of the top, this was the Praetorian Guard. One of those guys was chained to Paul all the time. Now, a night watch in, in the Roman army lasted three hours. Maybe that means at night they were chained. Maybe all through the day they were changed every three hours. I don't know. Can't, can't be very specific there. 
But here's what Paul says to the Philippians. He said, I'm going to tell you something. The gospel has been advanced and the gospel is known among all of those who are in the Praetorian Guard. <laughs> Let's say it was a three-hour shift. And these guys would get ear fatigue listening to the Apostle Paul. We're going to be chained, Brother Lucius. Dear Lucius, my Roman friend, we're going to be chained for three hours. I have several things to say to you and to talk to you about. I want to talk about you. And I want to talk about who you are and who you can be. You're a Praetorian guard and you're among the top of the top in this whole world. But I have to tell you something. You can be even better if you will think beyond the kingdom of Rome into the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you what recently has happened. And I want to tell you about a man that I'm sure you've heard of because you're chained to me. And you're chained to me because I'm talking about the one who died on a cross. You can see how those three hours would have passed. And according to the language of Philippians 1, it becomes clear that at least some of those palace guards, some of those praetorian guards were saved. And the gospel was so advanced that being saved, they would carry this back to those uh, with whom they had interaction. Maybe their families, court officials, other Praetorian guards, because when you get over to Philippians chapter 4, down in the next to the last verse in Paul's letter to the Philippians, and he's making his farewell, he's saying, he's saying, I want to say, I want to say God bless you and goodbye to you. But this, this comes not only this farewell and the greeting and so forth and this, this desire for peace in your life, it doesn't come just from me, but it also comes from the saints who are in Caesar's household. Wow. Back in Ephesus, they are learning from Tychicus the things about the work of the Apostle Paul. And now they have something to pray about. They have something specific they can just understand. If they're going through the kinds of battles that they're going through in Ephesus, especially, remember back in Acts, Diana is great Diana of the Ephesians. If they're going through the struggles with paganism there in Ephesus like they're going through, how much more is Paul facing in Rome, the very center of Gentile power, replete with its uh, plethora of gods and goddesses? Now they know how to pray. God has so arranged it that Paul is having a direct effect on the household of Caesar, the bodyguards of Caesar, the families of all of those people. And these people are in such a position that people would listen to them and surely would share their faith in Christ. So Paul talks about his bond of fellowship here with those to whom he's writing and he says, you're going to listen to Tiki because he's going to tell you exactly what's happening. Now, Paul is a little more definitive in his letter to the Ephesians, but here he leaves it up, leaves it up to Tychicus to tell them, he's a beloved and faithful servant in the Lord, and I have sent him to you for this very purpose. 
that he can with great joy and happiness tell you the joy of my chains and my imprisonment. Chained to fresh meat every day. Several times a day. Have I, maybe Paul would forget, maybe this guy was there week before last and Paul would say, did I tell you the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ, my Savior? And this is the gospel according to Charles. You can take it or leave it. And the Praetorian guard would say, yeah, but I have a feeling you're going to tell me again. <laughs> so the apostle Paul could not but speak of the wonders of Christ and salvation that was found in him. The bond of Christian fellowship includes sharing with others what God has done and is doing in your life. To know that God would let you bloom wherever you are planted because you were not randomly planted there. God is always up to something. So wherever we are, we have this opportunity to share with any Praetorian guard we may come across. I was watching on YouTube. Actually, the clip was about two years old. But it was a big group of soldiers, among whom were special ops guys. And I guess you could sort of equate them with the Praetorian Guard, some of those guys. And they were all, there were probably 200, 300 of them in this auditorium. And they were having a worship service. And they were singing a song that I've heard before. I can't remember the name of it. It's just a newer song, but it's a good song. And man, they were happy and they were jumping up and down and carrying on. Because they had within their hearts the good news of Jesus Christ. And how far can those guys carry that gospel? God has his gospel being advanced as Paul wrote it to the Philippians, the advance of the gospel. He is advancing the gospel everywhere in the way that he sees fit according to his purpose. And it was no less true here as Paul thought about the bond of Christian fellowship that he shared with not only the Ephesians, but those other churches close by where this letter would have been circulated. So there are times when indeed we should share with one another to encourage one another the things that God does for us and through us. When you give a testimony like that, it isn't something sometimes we can be shy because we are afraid that people may think that we're coming across in some kind of spiritual arrogance. But you have to just make people understand that. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a nobody. I'm whale manure. I'm, I'm at the bottom of the ocean. I'm nothing. But I happen to be present and God through me did something that I would have never dreamed. And I glorify God because he gave me the privilege of being there when according to his divine purpose, he at that moment in time would call someone into his eternal kingdom. 
And I was privileged to be there and sharing the work. And God so arranged it. There's nothing wrong with giving a testimony to the glory of God. Now we continue as Paul, now he's, he's closing out this letter, right? Um, and he says, huh? Okay. Peace be with all of those brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't stop there. Peace. Nothing is more needful in the lives of individuals than to have peace. Peace. Even though the world rages around us and the storms and the tempest rise up and toss us about, yet still in Christ we have peace. Now he talks about this peace earlier in Ephesians and he says that it is, it is peace, it is peace that, that Christ gives. It, it is the peace that Christ gives to us. So it's the presence of Christ. It is the presence of Christ and it's connected with love and faith here. We're talking about it in a second. So this peace, Paul says, I know that you're in a difficult setting in Ephesus. And you know they, they ran me out of town. They, they really wanted me dead. I understand the difficulty of ministering and, and being a Christian in Ephesus. But I also know this. That peace is yours. Because it comes as a divine gift from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the only divine gift here that's listed. It goes on. He says, peace. And we know peace is part of it because it is conjunctively joined to love with faith. Peace and love with faith. You have a Christian love that is not something you could conjure up from within yourself. It is a divine gift. It is a bond between you and others who are brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why you can get so mad at a fellow believer that you could spit but you can't stop loving him or her. You're still bonded. I don't like the way that guy talks or does things, but I'll tell you this, if he needs something, I'm going to help him because he'll help me if I need something. We are together in Christ. It is because this love is a divine gift. So is faith. How can I believe the things that I believe that otherwise would seem so fantastic to the world? And the world scoffs at it and mocks it and tries to destroy it and it's indestructible. How can I have such faith? Because it's, because it's a divine gift, look. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Faith is not something that you could stay on your face in the altar and pray and pray and pray through until finally you start to believe. Faith is a divine gift. How is it? How is it? And those of us who are believers surely have had this experience. How is it that one day you have no thought of Christ? You have no, at that moment, no desire for Christ but something supernaturally changes in your life and it's not a process. It is something that happens by the grace of God. And now you believe because God has given you a divine and supernatural gift of faith. And as surely as it is divine and supernatural, it is never lost, never. The world didn't give it to you. The world can't take it away. You didn't conjure it up on yourself and you can't throw it away. This is a divine gift. Grace, the gift comes as peace, love with faith coming from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he reminds the Ephesians I need to tell you that you are who you are in Christ, not because of what you've done, because of what, but because of what God has done in you, for you, with you, and through you. You were a worshiper of Diana, Artemis, the goddess whose temple was, what, the, Par, the Parthenon? Is that right? The Acropolis. You were worshiping false gods and goddesses and you were doing all those horrible things that attend to that kind of pagan worship until God gifted you with faith. And as Peter says, he caused you to be born again. So these are divine gifts, peace, love with faith. But then this last we need to spend, this is to me, this is a crucial verse to appreciate and try to understand. The grace, now the, the definite article is there and I use it. Some, most translators don't, but I, it's not a grace. If the definite article is not used, then it becomes understood as an indefinite article, which means a grace, a grace or just grace, but it's, it's there. The grace be with all those loving our Lord Jesus Christ in incorruptibility or in indestructibility or immortality or decay. Actually, in the dative, that should be decay exemptability or imperishability. Every passage that I would preach from from my perspective, perspective has to be as completely understood as I can understand it. And so it takes, me, it takes me quite a bit of work to progress through working the text so that it thus becomes presentable in, in, from my view and from my heart. One of the things that I have to do I start out with the original, then I look at all of the translations that I trust. I don't look at those that I don't trust. And the translations have to be built on the, on the ancient texts. 
Not the majority text, but the ancient, the first ones, the early manuscripts. I pray about it and pray about it and look at it again. And then I diagram the sentence. I'm going to need you to flip that for me again. I'm, I'm still not clicking. So you have to diagram the sentence, right? You all know how to do this because you, I'm told it, these days it's in the seventh grade they learn to diagram sentences. I think it was about the ninth grade when I did it. So I want to understand this sentence. I want to understand this verse 24. I want to understand all of it. But I, so I, I'll diagram it. And it diagrams like this. And you'll notice hay is shadowed in blue, shaded in blue, because it is, a, it is a definite article. A lot of translators don't want to use it, but I do. Okay, it's in the nominative, so it's the grace. And ain, the next word, that's the understood word. It's not in the original, but it's understood be, be with. And then with meta is the next one. Now here we're going to get into why I think we need to understand what the Holy Spirit is telling us that is so special about understanding our bond with each other in Christian fellowship. So from Pantone down there, it starts... It's, that's an adjective, it, it's adjectival, it starts, it's in the genitive because the next one up there, the ton agaponton, that is in the, uh, it's, it's also, uh, that's in the, uh, that's in the nominative, this is in the genitive, so that's in the genitive and the definite article is in the genitive, which means that the next word that, uh, that modifies that word, the next two words, in and in, Aphasia. Okay, now there is where it belongs. All, okay, Panton, all those loving. It's in the plural, it's in the masculine. Okay, so we go down to the next one. It's in the genitive because it stands with that, and the language shows us, the suffix shows us it's in the genitive. Now, now it becomes accusative. Stay with me, this means something. On Curion, Yesun Christon, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in the accusative, masculine singular. And then Hemon is of us, the Lord of us. Well, in English, you would say our Lord Jesus Christ. So we move from nominative. Now, the N, that's in the dative. The dative. It's not in the nominative and it's not in the accusative and it's not in the genitive. It's in the dative. Here's why this is important to this passage of scripture and for our understanding the Christian bond of fellowship. Here we go. This is, you're going to have to flip it for me. This is the fullness of the translation of verse 24. The grace be with all those loving our Lord Jesus Christ with love in its indestructibility. Let me tell you why this Christian love is indestructible. We love our Lord and with this love we love each other in the Christian bond of fellowship. 
Why is it exempt from decay? Why does my love not decay in Christ and for others, for Christ and for others? Why is it a love in its incorruptibility, in its indestructibility? That's all the ways you could translate that word. In its immortality, in its imperishability. Why is this love so profound? Well, it goes back to the earlier one because it's a grace gift. It's a divine gift. You didn't give it to yourself. God planted it in you. And God is not an Indian giver. He doesn't give you something and take it back. You see that because, okay, here we go. Because loving, that's a participle. It's a verb that serves as a noun. That's a participle. But, listen, even though it's a present active as a verb, which means it just don't stop. It's always that. That's you. That's part of who you are. I'm, I have blue eyes. I've had blue eyes ever since I was born. It just doesn't stop. Okay, now, those loving, present active, but it's also in the, in the genitive as, as a noun, with love, in its imperishable, in its indestructibility. So this is something that never stops. And it is a love of my Lord Jesus Christ, and it is a love that is with love, in its absolute indestructibility because it is a grace gift from God. I'm not that lovable. You can figure it out for yourself about yourself. But what makes us be drawn to one another in the bond of Christian love? A grace gift. A divine gift. Of God. That's why we help each other, pray for each other. How God, I, I'm careful here to talk about it, but it's just really to brag on God. How people among our fellowship, for example, can be sick and, and God's people pray. We have a time on Wednesday night, we have a prayer list and you shouldn't be ashamed to be on that prayer list if you have a need, a serious need, because God is glorified in these things. We have people who have needs and God lifts them out of those needs. We, God's people pray for them. The world isn't, you're not going to go down to the bar and ask people in the bar to pray for your needs. If you tell them you're sick and you want to pray, they're going to say, oh, get away from me, man. You're not going to go to any worldly organization this kind of thing this kind of love is only in the church it's a divine gift from God peace and love with faith from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ the bond of Christian fellowship we can irritate one another at times But that cannot destroy the love. It cannot decay the love. It cannot make the love corruptible. Because I didn't conjure up this love. 
God put it in my life. And as a divine gift, as a gift of grace, God has put it in my life for his glory. That I might have this special bond with brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how Paul closes out this beautiful letter to the Ephesians. I hope we've learned something in all of these six chapters. But we leave it with this beautiful, wonderful teaching from the Holy Spirit. Peace and love with faith are gifts from God. That's what makes the local church work so beautifully and wondrously because God did it. We didn't do it for ourselves. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he came into this world to save sinners. Our invitation is like this. If you would come to Christ today in faith or having come to Christ, if you would come forward desiring baptism as a believer or as a believer, you would come forward and publicly today to become a member of this fellowship. This invitation is for you. In just a moment, we'll all stand in the act of standing. If you would come and God is drawing you, you come. Maybe you want to discuss this with someone. Before you leave any of these things, you could still make that same movement from that God places in your heart. We have deacons and their wives in rooms waiting for you as we exit. And maybe you want to sit down and discuss this a little bit. You can do the same thing there that you would do here this morning. So the invitation is just as inclusive as I can make it. As God speaks to your heart and infallibly calls you into salvation or obedience to baptism or church membership and you want to come publicly, you do that. If you want to discuss that on your way out, Deacons and their wives are prepared to sit down at the table with you before you leave. Father God in heaven, Lord, bless this invitation as you see fit and glorify yourself in all that's done in Christ's name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you prayerfully stand all over this room as God has spoken to your heart, you come. As she plays, you come.